Well, that's a pretty tall order, old Moses said, taking your people in there. I hope you know just what you're doing. Canaanites are evil and they don't like losing. They've got swords and chariots. They worship rocks and they hate our guts. They're nine foot tall and they're halfway nuts. To tell you the truth, we're scared. So God says, Moses, won't you listen to me so I can tell you my plan. There's a principle that you may not know. It'll help you to conquer that land. Well, I made nature and I know how it works. I can talk to the frogs and the bees and the birds. They do exactly what I tell them to. They work for me and they'll help you. Canaanites are evil and they talk real mean, but I know how they think down in between. No matter how tough you think they are, they're still scared of bees. Well, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about, Moses says to the Lord. But we'll be ready in the morning light, because we ain't afraid to do what's right out in the valley and into the fight because you've given your word. So they're standing around the old coffee pot when the sun comes up the next day. A scout comes up all out of breath. The Canaanites ran away. Well, they jigged and they jogged and they broke into a run and they did a little dance like they never had done. Waving and a stomping and a yelling in the dawn. The one half's dead and the other half's gone. They beat each other down and they headed for the trees. Seems they ran into some bees. So let the Lord lead your life and follow Him. Serve each day faithfully. Commit yourself to the Lord of hosts. Let Him send you some bees. Well, the bees of the Lord are the truths in His Word, and He turns them loose when a Christian serves. Satan jigs and he jogs and he breaks into a run, and he does a devil dance like he never has done. Stumbles around and he heads for the trees. He's scared to death of God's bees. If you if you read that story and if you if you've lived for the Lord any length of time, you know I don't know ten years or so, you've seen a lot of seasons turn over and you've seen God do things like that. When you live by the principles in the book, things happen. You may not always be you know happy, um, but you'll have the joy of the Lord. You may not always have everything you think you need, but you'll have everything that He knows you need. Um, when you walk with the Lord. Now, this is a song about heaven. Um, like I said, it's still in progress. This is good enough where I thought I'd bring it by this evening. And so I've worked on it for the last several days. And uh, I got to thinking about heaven, and I got to thinking about um, what might be there. And uh, this is doctrinally sound. Um, and it, it'll preach. Um, so uh, it's a song about heaven. I think you'll enjoy it. Imagine what's in heaven, take your thoughts up to that place Way past where the airplanes go and through the outer space When all our work is done down here and we're finished with our race In 
fact, it doesn't do it justice calling it a place. You never see a stop sign because nobody has a car. You just think of where you want to be and then fly and there you are. It never gets too hot and it never gets too cold. And the pathways that we walk on all are made of solid gold. Nobody's greedy, nobody's proud. And big spiders are not allowed. Imagine with me for a minute, maybe two or four. And hey, now there's another thing, no time there anymore. You can't take five steps without singing a song. No one's selfish or jealous. No one does anything wrong. No more war and no more death. And all the dogs have puppy breath. Imagine who's in heaven. Look on David's famous face. Walk with Moses through the roses. Talk with Paul about God's grace. Talk with Peter over breakfast. Then go water walking too. Sing a chorus with the prophets. Race the birds at Noah's zoo. No mortgage on your mansion and you don't pay any rent. Nobody runs for office. We don't need a president. Nobody's sick and you don't get old. All the cats do what they're told. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, <laughs> think, think. <laughs> forget it. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think upon these things he says. So I've never thought it bad to take a little time here and there either way and let my mind unwind. And think about that life I'll have in my eternal rest. A place prepared for me by Him who always gives His best. Knowing how He loves me, knowing what my Lord can do. He made the water, He made the air. Elephants and polar bears. Soaring birds and honeybees and giant squids and apple trees. Molten rock and forest ferns, hurricanes and fishing worms, sun, the moon, and Saturn's rings, cute and cuddly furry things. I ponder what he's given for this temporary tour, so it just thrills my soul to think of what he'll do forevermore. Amen. Sorry about the core change there. You have to do something weird, and I had that capo thing on there to make the thing higher because my voice goes south in the evening sometimes, and this evening is no is no um, exception to that. So, so I put that on so I could sing higher. That's harder to change that chord, but I'll get it. You be patient with me. So I hope that was a blessing to you. First Samuel chapter seventeen. 
pastor said be finished by 10.30, so I'm going to keep it short. 1 Samuel 17, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, uh, one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. It's a story about a giant and uh, a small man, and um, we'll read it, and then I have a few things to say to you about the story uh, that I think will be a blessing to you. Uh, We'll begin in verse number one. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, battle, and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Ezekah in Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched in the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. So that's about nine feet tall, a little over nine feet. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest. And the three eldest followed Saul, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. And uh, we'll stop reading there and we'll go back to this scripture as I mentioned some points. Now, you know the story of uh, Goliath and David. Everybody knows the story of Goliath and David. It's one of the first Bible stories that the children learn. And what we get out of this story is that we can, in the power, by the power of God, um, vanquish those who seem to be bigger than us. And we can take that truth, um, and this isn't, by the way, just an allegory. It really happened. Things in the Bible aren't just written, you know, as made-up stories unless Jesus made a parable and it says, He spake a parable unto them. This happened, but God puts it here, not just for a history, but as a practical lesson. And we can take this story, we can apply it to areas of our lives, whether they be finances, friends, sickness, uh, general challenges with work, whatever might happen, where you have a seemingly insurmountable obstacle uh, that you need to get over and you have nothing to do it with. Um, The principle that is given here applies to you. 
that by the power of the Lord you can overcome great things. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And we could cite so many things. They go to so many passages in the scripture and verses in the scripture that prove that point. And you could give testimony of things that happened in your lives uh, where there was a, a Goliath and then there was a David. Um, I love the story of Goliath and David uh, because it is the story of a giant and it is the story of a small man. One man was well equipped. In fact, probably better equipped than any man that was out on the battlefield that day. One man had a little bit of nothing to fight with. One man had uh, an army uh, on his side uh, whose um, qualifications and whose armament um, nobody could comprehend. And uh, the other guy had an army who thought they knew what they were doing, but they were losing the day. One man was David, one man was Goliath, and I submit to you tonight, the giant was not Goliath, the giant was David. The giant was the one who had the army on his side, who was the army of God, not just the army of Israel. And he was better qualified and better prepared and more able to fight than any other man on that battlefield. His opponent, a man who thought he knew battle, a man who knew how to bust heads, a man who was better armed um, and better armored and larger than any living man in that region, uh, but who lost the day because, in fact, he was not a giant. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to be the giant. I don't have to be the big guy that we think is the giant. I don't want to be that guy. That's the guy who's going to be a target for more trouble than anyone. I want to be the guy who just follows the Lord. I want to be the guy who's a giant because he says he's a giant. I want to be the guy that wins the day with things and principles that no one else seems to understand. The carnal mind, what does Paul say, is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are carnal... Um, cannot please God. Those who, who look on the, on the things of God as small things, those who look at uh, church, the Bible, singing hymns, following principles in God's Word, um, uh, principles and standards of conduct as archaic things, things we need not follow anymore, things that are in the past, things that are not going to help us prosper, um, those people are not the giants, although for the time being, it may seem like they're winning. The people who are the giants are the ones who go out with a stone and a, a sling uh, against a guy who's built like a tank, armed like a tank, and probably weighs as much as at least a Volkswagen Beetle. Um, now, two men met on a battlefield, and this happens every day. You're one of them. <laughs> Whether you're, you're male or female here, young or old, uh, you'll have your David and Goliath moments. And I hope you'll be the giant. Um, 
Now, here are several thoughts. If you want to be a giant for the Lord, if you want to win the day, whatever that um, thing may be that God deals with you about, whatever that challenge may be, uh, consider these things from the chapter. Number one, giants are often misunderstood. When, uh, when you're not the prosperous, when you're not the, the well-dressed, when you're just, I mean, you may be both of those and still follow the Lord. Um, I'm not saying the two can't go together, but they normally don't. You know, normally people who follow the Lord follow the Lord through thick or thin no matter what happens. And so um, you will be misunderstood if you're going to follow the Lord. Verse 28, which we didn't read before, we'll go to now. Um, after David comes down to the, to the battle and says his piece um, that he's going to go fight the giant and all that, uh, and Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. He said, You just... You know, the cable's out back at the house, and you just want to see some war action, and you can't, you know, get the, in the nowadays. I mean, people, people like to see stuff like that. Like to see war movies and whatnot. It was no different in those days, except they didn't have the means to see it that we do today. If it wasn't happening for real, you didn't see it, you know, unless you made sport of it in the backyard. And they, they said, well, David, you just came down to see the battle. You just want to see some heads rolling, some bloodshed. And uh, you're mischievous. And you know, David, I studied David in his private life. And I, I think I might have told you this before. And uh, the more I look at David and the, the things I see about David, the more I see him as like a Cinderella figure. I mean, David, David is like a picture of Christ, a lot like Joseph was you know, sold into Egypt as, by his brothers and all, all that happened to him. And uh, David was not well accepted in his house. They looked on David as an outcast. You read the Psalms, you see a lot of that, uh, about people talking about him in the, in the gates, you know, in the, in the city. And they, the Jews say when, when David uh, was young, they called him Esau. And uh, anytime something went wrong or was stolen, um, in town, they automatically went to him, and they said David did it because he was that black sheep in the family. And uh, they say that, and this is, you could take this for what it's worth, it's just some history, but they say when uh, David's father put him out to watch those sheep in the wilderness, that it's guessed that they actually hoped, that he actually hoped something would get David so the heat would be off him. Then I look at David and how small he was, and it says he was a stripling, and he was ruddy, and uh, he was a, like the good-looking kid, uh, but he was not the man's man figure, you know, the starter on the football team. And you would not look at David as a giant. And his brothers, when he's about to take his step, um, and God's about to use him, misunderstand him. And you'll be misunderstood too. If you're going to follow the Lord with all your heart, people around you are going to misunderstand you at some point or another. I've had family members that just really look down on me and my family, you know, outside. Um, 
because of our standards and because of our worship. You guys are church every, every Sunday morning and night. And, uh, we just go, you know, Christmas and Easter, whether we need it or not. Uh, don't you think you're overdoing it? You know, and uh, you, your, your wife and your daughter don't wear slacks and stuff, and you, you don't watch much TV. For a long time, we didn't watch any. We didn't even have a TV in our house. And, uh, and I got old and soft and allowed one, and now I'm like the rest of you. But <laughs> I'm kidding. But you'll be misunderstood. People will not look at a giant as a giant. Um, If you're into muscle cars, you know, I I like the muscle cars from like the 60s and 70s. You know, you got some Mustang Mach 1 Shelby thing, and it, it just, you look at it and it just says, let's race. You know, and that's a cool car. But I always like the ones that, were just kind of boxy and, you know, squarish looking. The only way you could tell they were muscle cars is they usually had kind of a different wheel than the other models like that. And they had some kind of little emblem, you know, on the fender right in front of the front tire. It had the engine size on it or it had an SS. You know, other than a few little things, you would not know that the thing could, you know, beat a Porsche, you know, in a, in a, in a race down the strip. I always liked those cars. I thought, that's cool. I always liked the story of Samson because Samson, you know, just a, a normal guy, you know, and he pulls the city gates off and carries them away. <laughs> and he does all these other things. And I don't think Samson was a big Arnold Schwarzenegger figure. I think he was just a regular old chap, you know, like me or you. You know? And I think that's where God got the glory. It's like, that guy just pulled the city gates up and carried them off. Him. <laughs> you know? And David walks out on the battlefield. He's misunderstood by his brother. Oh, man, you're a 140 pounds dripping wet boy. Get back home with them sheep. Yeah. Giants are often misunderstood. You think you're better than the rest of us because you're Christian you know, judging us, and you're not judging anybody, you're just living your life for the Lord. Problem is they feel guilty because they see they're not, and you're misunderstood. Here's the second thought. Giants serve God above all else. Giants serve God above all else. Um, Verses 25 and 26, look there with me. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? Did I I hear you right? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should... Now, I'm going to hazard a guess, and you can disagree with me all you want, but it almost seems to me like David's saying, what? You're offering a prize? Isn't it prize enough that this idiot is putting you to shame and somebody's going to take him down? Seems to me that would be a pretty big prize rather than Saul's daughter and gold and, and a house in Israel or whatever he was promising. It was like David was saying, hey, this is the prize. Serve God above all else. 
all that matters here on the battlefield is that this guy stops what he's doing. You know? And the way to do that, David proved, is to serve the Lord. Hey, we live in a weird political climate these days. And everything's polarized. You know, and the, the liberals hate the conservatives, and the conservatives are hating the liberals, and who's going to be president, and who's not going to be president, and they try to get rid of the guy that's in office now, and uh, we want to keep our guns, and somebody doesn't want us to have them, and all these things are going on, and it's, it's like the roaring of the lion seeking whom he may devour, and it's easy for the believer in Christ to just arm themselves. And, and run off after shadows. And uh, I, know, uh, I know a lot of people who are very politically in, involved. And uh, I vote and I do what I can, but I'm a believer in Christ and I'm a preacher. The way I'm going to change society around me is by leading them to the Lord. If I, can, if, if I can lead them to the Lord, He can change their heart. If He can change their heart, and He will if they get saved then that changes the way they think. And when you change the way they think, then they do things the right way. Yeah. And uh, giants serve God above all else. There, there are a lot of things we can run off after. And there are a lot of distractions. We need to keep our focus on the Lord, keep our focus on serving Jesus Christ and, and serving the others around us who need Him. Um, here's a third thought. Giants look beyond present circumstances. Giants look beyond present circumstances. It goes with what I just said. But to fine-tune that thought a little bit, you know what a circumstance is, right? It's the stuff that's happening around you, your circumstances. That word circumstance comes from two words, circum, like uh, um, circumference, around, and um, stance being, you know, your position. Things that are happening around your position are your circumstances. And yours are, are probably, yours in a lot of ways are the same as mine. We live in the same country, we live in the same region, you know, stuff like that. We have the same weather, <laughs> basically. Uh, uh, we have the same other things. But personally speaking, what's deep down inside that I can't see and thank God you can't see is different. And a, a giant will look beyond his present circumstances. You, you get victory over things you can get victory over. And, and you pray about the things you cannot until the day you can. And David walks down to take his brothers some cheese and some beef jerky and, uh, you know, some provisions. And... Um, he sees this thing going on. I mean, he, he knew it was happening, but he'd never dreamed that nothing was happening. Now, it's like they've been down here over a month. Dad finally sent me down, take them some stuff, take them a care package for them and their squad leader and all the other guys, and there's nothing happening. He, he probably thought he'd go down and be ambulances, stretchers, you know, running to and fro and clanking of swords. Nobody's doing anything. And uh, it upsets him. And then he finds himself out on the battlefield with this guy they call a giant who's really a man of no means. Now, at the time, he did not realize that. 
Do you think David was scared when he went out there? Don't answer. It's a, it's a um, one of those um, hypothetical questions or however you put that. Um, but I think he was. <laughs> I do. You know, I, I've often thought the, the guy that comes up against such a challenge and is afraid but rises to the challenge anyway, that's the good guy. The guy that comes up to a challenge like that and is not afraid at all but just runs right into it might be a nut. <laughs> and I will wonder about him. You know, you, could, you say, well, in the strength of the Lord, if you're walking with the Lord, folks, most of the time I'm still humanly scared when I come up against an obstacle. Yes, I have faith in the Lord. I know the Lord's with me. And, uh, and my fear is not going to stop me. Um, because in the end, we're not supposed to fear, right? But I have it. <laughs> I used to jump out of airplanes for a living years and years ago when I was in the military. And I was always scared to do that. And it, some of these guys say, oh, I'm not afraid. And I thought, you're a liar. <laughs> that was scary. And it would still be scary if I did it nowadays. I think David was scared, but he looked beyond his present circumstances. Sometimes I'm scared in this life. It's like, uh oh, something busted. I don't have the money to pay for that. How am I going to get to work? You know, things like that happen. We'd been out on the road traveling for the Lord so many times and broke down in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going to take the time, but I could tell you so many stories. And uh, to keep a long story very short, just to to give you an idea, we're on our way from uh, Nebraska down through Kansas. Um, to Oklahoma one time with a motorhome, pulling our car behind it, and the motorhome broke down. It's like 190 degrees out that day in cornfields along the interstate. And uh, so we unhooked the car, and we went down to find the nearest city to get a tow or something, to tow the motorhome. And a car broke down. <laughs> so the motorhome back there broke down about 10 miles. Now we're in the car, and it's broke down, too. And things like that happen sometimes. And you think, what in the world am I going to do now? If it was just me by myself, I wouldn't really care. You know, I'd just hitch a ride, lead somebody to the Lord, you know, and have a good time at it. Uh, but i got family here. What do we do about my wife and my two kids, you know? They could get killed out here or something. You know, things like that happen. You have to look behind your pre- beyond your present circumstances. And we always got through things like that. And still do. Um... I better go on. Giants look to God for protection rather than to man. Um, Well-meaning people want to equip the giant with their armor. And uh, here's no exception. Um, Verse 31, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Uh, why? Because he's a giant. He fights with little men <laughs> who look big. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. 
David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. In other words, I got a, I got a bear's head on my den at home. I got a lion's head on my den at home. I want a Philistine's head on my den. Not that he would do that. That'd be weird. But it's all said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And look at this. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Now, remember something about Saul. Um, if you haven't studied the Bible, you don't know the whole story, uh, or if you need a refresher. When Saul was chosen king, one of the big reasons that God chose Saul as king of Israel was to prove to the Israelites that big and mean is not always the best in leadership. And it says that Saul was head and shoulders above everyone. He was a big guy. Saul was six foot something, at least. He was big. And uh, he has a set of armor built for him. Can you imagine him offering it to David? And David puts this stuff on. He probably looked like, you know, your, your little peewee kid when you first sign him up for a little league and they put all that padding on him and he's trying to catch the ball and you're saying, where's the kid and all that stuff? And David... David's well-meaning friend Saul tried to arm him with his armor. A lot of your friends, when you, if you want to be a giant, are going to see your troubles. They're going, to, they're going to see your walk. And they're going to try to help you in their own way. And you're going to have to be able to discern. I mean, good people, decent people, but not saved, don't know the Lord that you know are going to try to offer you suggestions, and you're going to have to stick by the book. You ever get tempted to play the lottery? I'm not saying I go down to the store and it's like, oh, I wish I could buy one. Sometimes I think, man, if I I bought a ticket, suppose I bought a ticket of $1 million, all the missionaries I'd help. And it's a fleeting thought, and it goes away, and I think that's dumb. I know you people never think like that. You know, that would be the world's armor. It would be Saul's armor. It's like, yeah, that would help. It would probably get me into so much trouble, I wish it never happened. You know, and um, to illustrate a point, Saul says, why don't you take this? And uh, he doesn't realize it, but he's, he's trying to arm a giant with baby toys, basically. Now, I don't know this for sure, um, but I studied it, and I've never found where David had an armor bearer. David did a lot of fighting and went to a lot of battles. You never hear about David's armor. I'm assuming he probably wore some, but I'm wondering, and uh, from my own Jim Brady thinking, you know, the kind of guy that writes songs about heaven like I sang, I wonder if he doesn't just go out to all these battles wearing average stuff. Maybe not, because that might have been tempting God. But um, Look at Ephesians chapter 6 with me, briefly. <clears throat> and you know this passage. And verse 10 and following, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Well, how do we do that? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
And then we have a list. We're not going to look at that list. Uh, you can do that later for homework, okay? That's our armor. And now you think about that armor, that armor of God versus what you could do to get you through life. I'd rather have God's armor. I'd rather have God. The older I get in Christ, the more I live in Christ, the less I am tempted to do things a different way. Believe me. I've seen so many people fail at it, and I know the principles in the Bible. And I like to think at 54 years of age, I've been saved since 1985. You do the math. Um, I know better. And I'm not, I'm not going to run off and, and do something different. Because number one, it might fail miserably and be a bad testimony. Number two, I know it's not going to work as good as God's way anyway. Studying Moses, you know, and that um, thing where God puts him in Pharaoh's house and he's raised by Pharaoh, right? It's as if God did that to test him. What You would think, well, he's perfectly positioned, right? He's going to rise up through the ranks. He's going to be leader over Egypt. Boom, he's going to let the Israelites go politically because he's going to have the power to do that. That is how God is doing that. Isn't it marvelous? Praise God how wonderfully he does things. Had him, a uh, baby pulled out of the river, you know, and, and who finds him but, but um, Pharaoh's kid and raises him in the, and gets the best education? Certainly, certainly when he comes of age, oh, I just know he's going to set Israel free. Oh, we got it made. It does not happen anything like that, does it? Goes out and kills an Egyptian, and then he's on the lamb, has to leave. <laughs> Goes out for 40 years, and he's gone. Whatever happened to that Moses guy you put all your hopes in? Ah, didn't work out for you, did it? Saul's armor and God's stones there, right? When we think we know the best way to do it, nine times out of ten, it's wrong. <laughs> what happens? Moses comes back in with a stick. That's how they get out of Egypt. Who'd have thunk it? Right? And uh, I got to go on. Um, for, but for David to try and match Goliath in armament would have been fatal. Human armament, that is. Um, okay, here's another thought. Giants don't ride on someone else's accomplishments. <clears throat> Giants serve their Lord. Uh, we, uh, we take advantage of a lot of things that we didn't build. We, we enjoy a lot of things we had literally nothing to do with. You know, like everybody in here probably has a cell phone. And uh, we complain when it doesn't have any signal <laughs> or when that little direction finder I, that I use sometimes, you know, the MapQuest thing. Like you're, I'm almost to that church. Praise the Lord. I got plenty of time to go in and see the pastor before I have to preach. And then you go down into a valley and you, you lose the thing. <laughs> you don't know where you are and <laughs> you can't find the church. And we complain, but you think about, you know, who invented that thing and, and uh, what's in that little box that you have in your pocket, you know, the electronics. Wow. Hey, you know, cell phones came from Israel. Israel invented that technology. We didn't. Just a thought for you there um, about God's people. But anyway, you know, it's like the kids, you know, they sit in the sheets parking lot in the summer with their hoods up and rev their motors. You know, and you got dude over here, he's big and bad because he got Chevy. 
and the other dude over here is bigger and better because he has a Ford. And the other dude has a hopped up Toyota that he put some supercharger thing on. You know, none of them built that truck. Why are they so proud of it? It's like an accomplishment, you know. Ford built yours, Chevy built yours, Toyota built yours. You didn't do it. The only thing you could brag on if you wanted to be braggadocious is that you could drive yours better than the Ford guy. I don't know. You know, David, he's, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have armor. He doesn't have the support of anybody around him except Saul. And Saul's weak. All he has is God. Man, I kind of like to be in that position. And uh, I had a thought. Um, you know where David told Saul, we, we just read it, that he killed a bear and a lion when uh, they came out against his dad's sheep. Apparently, he never told anybody about that until that time. You know? I mean, if he had, they just said, well, prove it. And he just showed him a lion's carcass and a bear's carcass, and uh, they'd have had to believe him. I, I'm assuming they'd have had to believe him. They didn't have guns to shoot him with in that day. You know, and if he just choked him or whatever, then he's got no wounds on him. Anyway, um, if David would have gone around spouting out his own accomplishments, you know, and not being humble, they would have known already that he was a champion and he would have been in the army, wouldn't you think? But being the David he is, being the giant, he said, well, did that, and uh, must be for the glory of God, and I guess I better not go bragging on it or I might be the next one that gets caught by the beard. And I think David was a champion because David walked with the Lord. I know David was a champion because David walked with the Lord. And that day on the battlefield, there was a giant and uh, there was a small man. And now you know who was who, amen? I want to be that giant. I may, I may look like a small man. Um, I might look like I don't have anything strong about me. Um, but I've got the Lord on my side. That's all I need. Um, and that story, remember that story about Goliath and David. Uh, because you're going to have the challenges in life. And you, you want to meet the challenges on his terms or on their terms. Um, I want to win the day. And, uh, we read the Bible and we look at the book of the Revelation and we know who wins. Amen? So let's just stay the course, Christian. I have a word of prayer, and then, Pastor, you're going to come up. and then, All right, well, let's pray.